0: What follows is an excerpt from the one tasked with recording the destruction of the Northern Temple years ago. Oil. Check. Rope. Check. Rations. Double-check. I check the view. I can see all from here. On top of our new tower, northward, we can see the temple surging with dark light. Our father, the captain, is happy, energetic, his usual self. We see in his eyes the spark of life the one that brought us to this peaceful unlife, this contented constant of life in this city. When we first happened upon this ground, it was a squalid town, maybe even unworthy of that lustrous of name. I was one of the first, broken from a dark womb of shadows and light. The captain supplied the light, the whores provided the shadows. In a world that once was simply a purgatory for the dead, now the dead gave birth to the unlife, and we are content, but enough musing. Hat, check. Gloves, check. Lantern, check. Boots, missing. I curse silently. Another tosses the boots at my feet. We share the look of mirrored glass, looking upon itself. I pass our own test of readiness. I am one when I want to be, but it is our connected abilities that is more than the withered old men we appear to be. The captain... Put it to us this way, our flesh is one, you are all my children, together, you are my children. The trip to the northern church is a long one for, uh, for these legs. The captain takes twenty of us, all wearing our dark red uniforms, packs with just enough for each of us. The choicest placement is always closest to our captain, our father. Today he wears a leather uniform cured in oils of the blood. His smile is, as always, stunning. His blue eyes are like the first breath of winter, cold and stunning. On this day, his face is clean-shaven and smooth. He is a giant to us. We stand only about as high as his knee. His vision is our beacon. I am honored to have assumed chronicling this journey, and my memories will be cherished by the newest and the oldest of us. Scuffling boots walk into the night. I chance to look into his mind, but he is broken from our line at this moment, as his focus is elsewhere. At times... On this dark walk into the crooked woods, I will try to find his mind, but even though he is so close to me physically, mentally he seems so far away. It has been a long has been long since we connected as father and child should his smile while bright could possibly only be a mask. We passed the point of connection to the others in town, and I immediately feel smaller and unsubstantial where there has once The warmth and emotions of thousands, I, we, are left with these paltry few. Thoughts of excitement are replaced with fear, boredom, and stress of the movement. I try to add my positivity to the fray, but the others overwhelm me with their negatives. I could break the chain, but our collective attention is more than my own, and my survival might depend on it. An hour in, we face a pack of rabid dogs, or maybe wolves, it's hard to tell their classification as the flesh has melted from these poor bastards. They are horrid muscle and snew with the rage of death. I think they are newly born. We disagree, but the point is made moot by the captain. He smiles and bows his head. An amethyst light shows bright on his chest. He then heaves the great sword aloft. The three dogs make no move to leave. We all hear the scraping. Their overgrown claws make as they slouch forward in unison towards the captain and our small party. He twists, sword flashing horizontally, and two of the pups fall to the ground, minus their heads. The third madly dodges and barrels over the top of the captain and lands on one of us. The dog's mouth closes quickly on the small one's chest. Bones break. Blood sprays. I see his death, or unlife. We feel his neck snap. We feel the pain of letting go of life. I feel the heart pump murderously, then stop. The captain grabs the dog by the scuff of his neck and breaks it over his knee. The unfortunate little one lies crumpled. We all circle around him, heads touching one another, captain included, and speak our words of farewell for now. As his last memories seep into the oneness of our mind, we stand and leave the place of death. We leave a part of us there on the road to the temple. The woods grow darker now. Their branches reach forlorn towards the orange and red moons. Every so often we hear the movements or sounds that only a dead forest can make. Wind pushes the branches together. They sound like rattling and scraping bones. We now enter the darkest part of the woods. Even the small lanterns the nineteen of us carry are no match for the encroaching darkness. The captain's smile remains, again leading our way through the oblivion. Every so often he stops and puts his hands to his lips. His orchestral mind is open to us now, though it plays but one note, one of caution and silence. I reveal in that connection we all do. Our connections are paltry by comparison. I smile as I look at him and trip headlong over something that makes a cracking sound under my foot. In that instant, the captain is a blur of movement. The blackness around us seems to breathe heavily like a sigh after a long day's hard work. It then contracts slowly, threatening to swallow us into the inky abyss. I glimpse at the captain. He is no longer open to us, but I see his fear. I can taste it in the air. I look back as I feel three of us fall into the darkness. It is a mistake. The next moment, I am alone in the black. I am removed. I am alone. Is this the feeling all beings have? I hear a voice in the stillness. Little one, do you not have a name all your own? I look closer and see a figure walking. No, shambling closer. It's a woman. Shall we come up with a name? Something fitting, perhaps? She falls to the ground and crawls towards me. I feel the warmth. She gives off. She is my mother. She is life. She is love. Right before she touches me, I feel a hand grab me from behind the void. The captain pulls me hard and through the black bubble that has encapsulated me. He pulls me as we seem to rush towards what I can now see is a pulsing amber color illuminating the trees in front of us. He sees a broken-down, moss-covered house in front of us. He opens the door, and we are soon inside. The room we are in seems to be a kitchen of some sort, rusted and broken dishes with abhorrent ingredients sit on the circular table. It is then that the feeling hits me. I am still alone. The captain is staring at me expectedly. Is he trying to open his mind to mine? I shake my head. Can you feel the others? I shake again. My mouth to s- I open my mouth to speak, but my words are taken from me. I try to scream, but no sounds come. The captain lays his massive hand on my shoulder. This will pass, but I see doubt in his eyes. He steps into the next room, and at that moment I am more alone than I have ever been my entire life. The emptiness of loneliness chasing me. I bump into him as he stares at the other room. It is a living room with a he- with a health and a large picture in the mantle. In days past, this would have been a warm room with a crackling fire. As it is now, roots sprout from the floorboards, while the couch smells of mildew and death. The captain started the fire, burning away the smell of dust and decay. I am ashamed to say that I fell asleep on the broken and dirty couch. Without the thoughts of the rest of my mind, I had no energy to draw upon. I should have mourned them, but sleep came. In my dreams I saw that same shambling woman reaching for me. She smiled. I woke, sweating, falling from the couch. The captain sat in a nearby chair, watching me intently. Can you speak? I shook my head, shaking off the dream as well. He embraced me then. We will find a way to restore you, but only after our task is complete. He pulled our gear on and stepped back into the darkness outside the hut. No longer did it feel like a tangible miasma of the void. It was normal darkness, thankfully. The path ended at the gate of the church. The church was massive, with a moat and a portcullis. There was a bridge, large metal and broading, but it was not lowered as we made our approach. I looked down the steep drop to the water below. I thought I could make something moving, so I stepped backward. I glanced at the captain. He had taken out his blade and was pouring something onto it. It was purple fire that clung to the blade, giving off a brilliant light. He motioned for me to stand behind him. In one move, the captain vaulted to the top of the gate, cut through the chains holding it, and rode it to the ground. The ground shook and I fell to the ground. From the dust emerged the captain, his hands outstretched to mine, helping me up. The church is an old construction of large stone blocks. They were probably white once, but ages have reduced it to broken yellow color. We walked into the large circular area of the overgrown gardens with a black pit in the middle. From the pit pours the ominous amber light, like a fountain flowing to the sky. Will you come find me? I hear a whisper. I'm startled by the words, but the captain shows no signs of speaking. Before I can tap him, I hear something else stomping through the other side of the courtyard. The footfalls come fast and heavy, thudding to the ground as they grow closer and closer. I have the answers you desire, little one. Out from the overgrowth comes a twisted visage of a monster. He is of green hue with long limbs, longer than any ancient creature should have any right to have. On his hands are dripping black claws. His face is twisted in agony. He wears a tattered outfit that reminds me of a barkeeper, including a smock that is dirty with blood and earth. He looks at the captain, not seeing me in the undergrowth. His voice sounds like a hoarse whisper. Hello, captain. What a surprise. The captain readies his blade and remains silent. The whole area grows silent as the captain leans into a forward posture. Left foot in front of the right, sword held forward in both hands. It still glows faintly with the purple light. The monster moves first with frightening speed. His claws extend outward as he jumps forward, saliva and black fluid left in his wake. Come here, little one, take in my glory. I know where the words come from this time. They are coming from the amber pit. I roll forward to avoid the captain as he swings his sword horizontally. I brace myself, but the sword doesn't connect with the monster as it dodges nimbly aside, coming to a sliding halt a few feet from me. He pays me no heed. His attention is fully on the captain. The captain points his sword diagonally at the ground, taking up a defensive posture. Feet and hips squaring with his attacker. I peer over. The green thing strikes again, this time hitting home on the captain's left arm. A small goat of blood splashes forward. The captain reacts with a long slash, though too slowly the monster flips back out of the way. Let me see your beautiful eyes. The voice is coming from the amber well. It is a pleasant and soothing pitch. I creep forward. In the long bushes, the captain imbues his blade now with a blue fire and slashes a horizontal line through the grass and shrubs, clearing the sight sight lines to the now-crouching green leper. The captain tears away the rest of the armor that was slashed, revealing a black mark across his arm. He smirks. Well done, dead one. His voice seems far away as I inch closer to the well. I peer over the side. In the swirling amber abyss, I see eyes as big as mountains, pupils as large as oceans. I fall over the side into the well, into that infinity amber light, into those eyes of infinity. They engulf me. Now there is only black. I will give you your name. You are James, and you are splendid. Editor's Note This is a journal that was recovered from the now dark, yawning portal years after the expedition to the church by a team. We have pondered for years as to the creation of it, as there was no scribe placed for that day when the captain crushed the green one.